Cradleine Network. I am the law, and this is the first episode of Big Mac One. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Eli, and this is the podcast where two Americans patrol their way through the Judge Dredd magazine. We're just getting started here, and this one we're going to talk about the creation of the Meg, and then get started with Volume 1, Issue 1 of the comic itself, cover date October 1st, 1990. Um, we've got the start of several iconic stories here, like Young Death in America, as well as Chopper, Kenny Who, and the Mega City News. <laughs> Eli, oh, thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I hope you're at last ready to dive into this here magazine after several months of prep and primers. Yes, I'm ready to dive in. Uh, also, you said 1990? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was born that, that year. Oh, fantastic. So, <laughs> so I'm even more interested. Yeah, listen, this is real um, um, early days. You know, I, I was 10 living it up. Or no, I guess I guess nine when it came out. But still, wow. you know, just a, <laughs> just a real weird kid doing weird stuff. Um, not reading this, but reading other comics. So that's, that's right. sort of the same thing. Um, <laughs> I wasn't reading at all that year, so... <sighs> Got, got to catch up, buddy. You know, come on. Yeah. Well, had enough of these. What, had enough of these infants for. not reading comics. You know, right. like, come on. <laughs> the design for younger readers. Yeah, I'm making up for lost time. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way right. I think about it. That's all I ask. You know. <laughs> so I guess before we start, I just want to do a little bit more background. Although, if you're starting on this show, I definitely suggest checking out. Um, both the seven uh, judge, you know, uh, uh, Dread Dread magazine primers we did leading up to this, and um, the uh, eighty-eight Judge Dread special, which um, or no, no, sorry, the eighty-nine Judge Dread special, which Eli was was a guest on, and that's what he gave his personal ba- uh, prog backstory or or comic backstory and stuff like that. Just you know, <laughs> more about us. Uh, anyway, so uh, generally. You know, the Judge the uh, Judge Dredd magazine comes out of the t- comic 2000 AD. 2000 AD was founded in 1977, and from the second issue onwards, the character of Judge Dredd appeared in its pages. A super cop in the distant future, Judge Dredd, or D- Dredd is judge, jury, and executioner for the citizens of Mega City One, a huge megalopolis which covers the eastern seaboard of the United States. Initially, the story was set in the year 2099, but um, the time for Dread has advanced roughly the same pace in the real world. So as we're starting it here, it's set in the year uh, 2112. And the current Judge Dread stories are set in like uh, 2138 or something like that. Um, for year or, – or 48, I should say. Excuse me. Um, for years behind the scenes at 2000 AD, creators have been pushing for the creation of a monthly or fortnightly comic focusing on Dread. He was and still is, in fact, the biggest and most iconic character in 2000 AD. But for many years, the publishers refused, seemingly for sort of office politics reason. They didn't want to give these artists and writers what they wanted. It's like seemingly because they were jerks. Like, honestly, 
I've read a couple 2080 histories. That's very much what it seems like to me, Eli. Like, just sort of <laughs> like, no, we're comics publishers. We're very stodgy and upper class English fo- English gents, and we shall not be having a Judge Dread fortnightly because we hate you. Things like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, in the late 80s, a new publishing company took over 2000 AD. And one of the first actions of the new publishing director, Don or uh, John uh, Davidge, was to start the development of a new monthly dread spinoff. And this became the magazine. The idea of the magazine versus the prog was to create a more sort of grown up prestige monthly comic. And to that end, the magazine is both longer than the irregular prog. It costs three times as much at a, at a one pound, 50 pence. Let me double check that. Yeah, yeah. And um, it features creators and storylines that were at, at the time sure to excite, like Experience 2000 AD re- uh, readers. It's also got nicer paper. It's in full color, glossy cover, and has a very kind of U.S. comic look to it, I guess, which basically means that it's way more rectangular. 2000 AD actually tends to be very squ- – more on the square side. It's sort of – get as time goes by, it gets more and more rectangular, but uh, the magazine's even even taller than the other – than uh, the, than, than the product at this point um the magazine's also an attempt at kind of a newer hipper comic instead of the stodgy old like uh alien editor of tharg the magazine's got a proper masthead with credits for comic editor steve mcmanus as well as consulting editor credits for longtime dread writers john wagner and alan grant um, and indeed, this is kind of this whole thing is kind of John Wagner, who has been this really important, incredibly prolific comics writer in 2000 AD and other places, of course, but like a lot of it in 2000 AD to kind of transition, I guess. He's sort of moving away from 2000 AD and focusing more on creating content for the magazine as well as other places. And because of that, it means that this comic is transitioning a little bit. But I think I'm very interested. I'm I'm, I'm super excited for where we're going here. Um, yeah. Just so you know, Eli, the magazine's still around today. And in fact, um, when this episode comes out, it'll be right around when the Meg is celebrating its 30th birthday. I guess like you. I don't know. Yeah. So, right, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no time like the present to kind of get this thing going, honestly. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's funny. <laughs> so every every time I'm having a birthday, uh, it's pretty much Judge Red's birthday of what uh, I was born in August, so August September, yeah. or at so least three months. <laughs> yeah, at least the magazine's birthday, if not Dredd himself. You know, I don't know if if, if right. he's got a canonical birthday or whatever, but yeah, right. definitely does match up. That's kind of funny. Also, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll mention a weird thing that uh, you and my co-host on Space Spinner, um, your two birthdays are within in a day of each other, which is really freaking me um, out. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Different years, but but like he, I think his birthday is the day before yours. So, have you ever seen us in the same place at the same time? I definitely have not, but I also, uh, but like you know, I also feel like one of you, if you are the same person, then one, then for one of those personas, you're doing a hell of a of a disguise job. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. You know, I mean, I'm, if if so, then I got to take my hat off to you. I don't know how you get taller or shorter or whatever, all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's very much it. Like, yeah, um, we're 
diving in to this here magazine. Um, we're just doing the first issue this time because I wanted to spend some time just talking about the history of the comic itself and stuff. But after this, we'll be covering it two issues at a time. We'll go story by story like in Space Spinner. But for now, let's get to the Judge Dread magazine. <laughs> and we'll start off with non-stories, covers, and editorials. Here we go. <laughs> 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 the cover for this first uh, magazine has a lot of space taken up just by the cu- by the title of the comic. It's going to be pretty big, taking about a third of the page and then until uh, pro- until issue seven or so. And then we've got this very excellent angry dread by uh, Glenn Fabry below. He's given dread this snarl and this giant shoulder pad, which I really appreciate as he's sort of looking out on you, you know. <laughs> In the first page of the comic inside. There's a, a big double page, which is sort of explaining the world of Mega City One with art by Sean Phillips. We've got this city full of skyscrapers as Dread rolls through, like images of these terrifying monsters. I believe um, for long-term Dread fans, it's uh, Otto Sump, Call Me Kenneth, Fink Angel, and Judge Death sort of in there. Um, and then just sort of explaining, you know, it's a city full of lawlessness. Don't go out at night because it's full of nightmares. There's only one person that can fight back against crime, aliens, and mutants, and worse in the streets. The judges. <laughs> um, and of course, the greatest of those judges, man, it's Judge Dredd, obviously. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, then there's sort of a table of contents with, uh, with credits and stuff. Um, which of course we'll be going over soon enough. It is, it is kind of interesting. Just, um, they are sort of, I don't know, adding in some kind of kayfabe here because the credits are this, are presented as a wanted list by people creating this illegal publication within <laughs> Mega City One or something like that, you know, um. <laughs> Like, ah, uh, like these writers and, uh, like, ah, uh, these, uh, cover artists are already in custody and everybody else is, uh, is, uh, mm-hmm. still wanted. And then there's a little funny thing just above the, uh, the legal text that says down by jaw, which is a, uh, you know, I don't know, as opposed to down by law, I guess, a uh, reference to Dred's chin and so forth. <laughs> Nice. I did not notice that. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense, though. Yeah, just a little thing, but I think it's going to be there for a long time. So it's just sort of a mm-hmm. thing to keep an eye out for, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so and also there's a little flash by Side Division saying that they believe the next issue will be out on Saturday, October 20th. So keep an eye out, you know. But all of that takes us to Story One: Midnight's Children. Uh, script robot Alan Grant, art robot Jim Bakey, lettering robot Tom Frame. And this story has a lot of feels, uh, a similar feeling to the story I, I, th- I think I showed you, Eli, of uh, the graveyard shift. Just this feeling of a, of dread moving around this city as a bunch of crimes are happening at once, right. basically. Right. Definitely that their uh, uh, judges are underpaid for the amount of nonsense they have to deal with. <laughs> uh, uh- Either underpaid or overworked. Definitely one of those right. two, for sure. I don't know if they get paid, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> They're just sort of, of uh, volunteers until they die or something. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard times for sure. So, it's uh, it's Midnight in Mega City 1. The neon jungle sings with come-ons and advertisements and predators stalk the street as Judge Dredd responds to a call for a juve rumble. 
Elsewhere, we see a man talking to his wife on a telephone. She does not believe him that he's running late because he's in the middle of a gang war. And then one of those gang war dudes gets tossed through the wall of the phone booth he's in because it's getting pretty crazy out there. Right. And she asks if he's with a girl. Like, what was that sound? Who, who are you with? Uh, I can only imagine what that guy's backstory is, what type of things he's been getting into. Yeah, he's had some rough times for sure. She doesn't believe him, yeah. But uh, Dred's arriving on the scene. It's uh, the underclass gang versus the Rabbids. But soon Dred's just there kicking everybody's butt and so forth. Um, <laughs> I will say um, we y- you can see a little bit of a very controversial Dred, t- Dred um, um, subject here, Eli. Which is you can see Dread like hitting somebody with his day stick, and if you look in his um on his shoulder pad, there's kind of a loop thing that goes underneath his shoulder pad under his armpit, which is holding it on there. Mm-hmm. And that's not like not everybody believes that that's there. Is what I'm trying to oh, say. I see. <laughs> like, it's a, one of the mythical. Like, oh, does it exist? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Very much based on who's drawing dread. Like maybe the shoulder pads are held on by magnets. Maybe there's some other thing going on. Sometimes it's just like literally magic. Don't worry about I, it. You know. I see. So is is it one of those things where it's a Coke or Pepsi? You need to pick a side and then. Nah. Well, I mean, I mean, if you're drawing Judge Dread, yes, one hundred percent. You got to. Oh, okay. You got to choose when you're setting down. You, you got to fill out a questionnaire and mm. like all the and, – and, and that's where you answer all the dread questions. You know, how are shoulder pads attached? How mm, many right. bars are, are in that shield on, on, his, right. uh, on his helmet, you know? Because mm, that right. can vary from like th- – I've seen like ones with like seven on there, but as few as yeah. three, you know? Yeah, I think I've seen that too. Uh, um, I'm, I'm pro shoulder stuff. pad strap. If uh, I, I don't know yeah. if I'm putting myself out there, but it it makes sense to me uh, for sure. So till, till further notice, you know, I might. I've, I've yeah. seen versions that I really like, which is that if you take the shoulder pads off, there's like some docking things there, and I like mm-hmm. to imagine that there's like kind of a comp, like a uh, like some powerful magnets and then some st- some clips and stuff that attach them on. Mm-hmm. Just, Dang it, I do like that idea. I just because that feels more futuristic to me, I guess. Right. Yeah. All right. But there's, you know, there's room to figure it out, you know, for Mm. sure. Mm. (laughs) I just like talking. I don't know. I like Judge Dredd. (laughs) As Dredd fights the main force of these gangs, his lawmaster goes on autopilot and sort of shoots and apprehends some stragglers. There are some survivors that manage to escape, though, and they assume that that dude on the phone must have ratted them out and swear revenge. This quickly spreads as we then see several Juves sort of in a meeting to take him on. But suddenly, as they go, one of them gets suddenly with a wonk, an arrow flies through one of these Juves' necks, pinning him to the wall and killing him. Jeez. Right. That was brutal. That is a way to take him out, though. Seriously. Yeah, there's sort of an, a bowman who's got, like, uh, predator um, stuff going on. He's like an invisible dude running around shooting people. That's no good at all. Um, <laughs> Dread calls in the fight. We see him sentencing all these Jews to 10 years each. And then makes the phone guy give a full statement to Judge Botha just in case. Like, you're out pretty late, buddy. I don't know if I trust you. Maybe your wife has a point. Like, right. Why don't you... <laughs> Talk about what's going on to my buddy, to, to my buddy judge here. I, I, I got other stuff to do. 
Dread Dread's back on his patrol and heads to deal with a leaper, but um, he passes a dump truck as he goes, and we follow that dump truck as it heads to a reclaim er- a reclaim area as a dude named Mister Fubar, which you know generally stands for Mister F- uh, Mister uh, effed up beyond all repair, but who's to say? Oh, okay. <laughs> but he that that's like, you know, like a military term or something like that, I guess. <laughs> or a, a fake military, you know, something you would say if you're in the military commenting oh, okay. on the situation, you know. Um, Got it. But he kind of talks about like the craziness of Mega City One, how there's crime everywhere and soon that crime starts escalating and stuff. And it seems like it seems funny because he's really talking about this as a uh, as like a thing that's disconnected from him, even as this dump truck he's in dumps a whole bunch of dead bodies into a giant pit of like danger acid out right. in the in the rad wastes in Mega City yeah. One. He's just jaded at this point. He doesn't even remember that, oh, yeah, these people used to be alive at some point. Yeah, it's like he dumps these bodies. I don't even know how the judges cope with all this stuff, you know? Right. (laughs) Speaking of coping, dreads at this leaper who's a part of the fatty subculture – and he he's tired of weighing a ton in a world full of skitties. So he's going to jump off this building and dreads like, listen, buddy, <laughs> I got crime to deal with. I can't deal with right. your sadness. Get back in there before I shoot you up. Right. Very sensitive and compassionate to the guy's feelings. Right. It's definitely like one step even beyond like the Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon, like talking somebody down, which is like, Let's, I'll jump too or something. But right. um. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the this fatty does see the light and goes to uh, climb back into his apartment, but as he does, that invisible bowman strikes again, and he gets hit by an arrow in the back of the head, and so falls and crushes at least two people as he does two or three people. It's pretty excellent. Yes, <laughs> you guys got to stand back. Come on, All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, f- a pretty funny thing as the, just the bystanders are like, whoa, that was the best suicide I ever saw. Whoa. Right. Like, that's that's uh, someone who's seen a couple is all I'm trying to say. Right. Yes. He has a uh, spreadsheet. He ranks them. Definitely. Yeah. He's got a blog. You know, it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> Dread checks the body and sees the arrow in the head, though, and realizes it's a murder, not a suicide. So the game is afoot, basically. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, the witnesses from the phone booth has gotten home and he's barricaded the front door of his apartment because he knows the Jews are after him. But as they do, but as uh, we then cut to dread investigating the crime, finding the rooftop empty and stuff, no sign of this invisible guy. But that is weird. Um, what you call it? There's a weird sound on the wall, and suddenly the Jews come. I've just chains the laser chainsawed through the side, and they're now going to just take this guy out. Oh, there's so much going on at once, Eli. Oh my gosh! Right. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, this, with this witness in peril and dread on the uh, on the trail of this Bowman guy, he sort of gets a message about the previous Jube that got arrowed as well. He's like, all right, be careful out there. We might have a manhunter on our hands. <laughs> Which sounds pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But that and so that's where we end this story. Next time, the Midnight Club. Just fun. I don't know. I like this story. Just sort of like the b- big, like chaotic night in the life of Judge Dredd, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I do like the uh, option of this new antagonist that's uh, around. Uh, I always like a. Uh, 
either ongoing or even even short villains, they do a really good job of making you kind of care about like their ideals, what their perspective is, why they're doing these things. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I I think part of what is going to be cool about the mega. <clears throat> Uh, what's gonna be cool about the magazine is they can sort of have the have these longer term stories for dread dealing with kind of smaller crimes, I guess. Mm. Yeah, just because they're telling multi since they're telling multiple dread stories, they can sort of stretch out a little bit if they want to mm. tell one that's kind of interesting or something like that. Right. And speaking of returning dread antagonists, Eli, <laughs> or maybe <laughs> people dread as an antagonist too. it's story two earth wind and fire i know that band oh yeah listen they're gonna live it up um script robot garth edis art robot john mccree letting robot tom frame on a plane scorched by by nuclear fire and an aboriginal australian named koala stan reflects on the damage the white man has done with his weapons burning not just the land but the song lines the dreaming these spiritual concepts sacred to his people he worries about the state of the land and so he begins his quest Walking the rad wastes, singing singing uh, his traditional songs, trying to sing the very land back to life. And among those brought back to life, Eli, it's mm. Chopper! Woo! Yay! <laughs> yeah. He's making out with Charlene on a hoverboard high above Koala Stan, you know, as you do. Right. And yeah. we get a lot of backstory here. Honestly, a big part of just this whole – of this whole issue is sort of bringing you up to speed with what's been going on with Chopper in the last couple of months basically. Um, and wh- where is this place? It seemed definitely it's not Meg City 1. Not no, no, Meg no. City. This is uh, – it's called Drongo Springs. Okay. So I believe that we are somewhere in the Australian outback basically. Got it. Nice. Yeah, it had a completely different vibe to it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's got this kind of like red sand and stuff. It's, it's got almost a Martian feel or something like that, I think. Right. Yeah. I, actually, I, that's, I had a thought that they were on Mars. So no. No. The other Mars, Australia. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we learn that after Super Surf 11, Chopper woke up in the hospital. Charlene was the first thing that he saw. And now it seems that they've settled at an oasis called Drongo Springs in the Radlands of Australia. And it seems like there's a lot of surfers here. We see folks uh, blasting around and stuff. And as they fly in, they pass a memorial to everyone who was killed in Super Surf 11. Um, Chopper really seems to have given up all ambition. He's at peace with his new life out here in the in the frontier. They walk through this cool surf, or the, I don't know. They, they walk through the. I, I think it's a fun surfer town, but I'm mostly basing that on this sweet uh, hairy ox that's just hey, mm-hmm. that's just hanging out. Apparently right. called mucus. Like this seems right. like a guy I could hang out with. This ox, I don't know. Right. Yeah, um, and got a friend kangaroo hanging close by as well. Yeah, so yeah definitely. Yeah, got a good time. good set of pets going on in this town, which is a good <laughs> a good starting spot for sure. Um, while Chopper's lost all ambition, he has gained a mullet, and um, <laughs> it seems that his buddy Jug McKenzie has gained a, uh, a couple stone because he's just sort of retired and gone full uh, Thor and Avengers Endgame. You know, he's put on some weight here, um, <laughs> and he, apparently his girlfriend Dora is pregnant, which is solid. You know, getting some kids out yeah. here, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Chopper and Jug uh, walk the town. They pass a dude named Moak, who's clearly smoking some sort of Australia joint or something like that. <laughs> and he hands Chopper a letter. It's from his old friend Wipeout Jones in Mega City One, who says he's just won Super Surf 12 and is on his way to visit them in Australia. Um, everyone breaks up as Chopper reflects on the end of Mega City on of Super Surf Eleven. He kind of talks about the uh, the Stig Corporation being audited all to hell and having financial problems and stuff, um, and how he's and and he's just sort of amazed. You know, he used to have so much ambition, but now a Super Surf Twelve happened and he didn't even realize it. Like it just sort of passed him by completely. Right. I also really like how he went into the damage he took from. Uh, Super Surf 11. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we see this sort of this image. It's very uh, reminiscent of the art from that story as he remembers, yeah, all of the the fire, blood, and pain that he had to deal with um, through the Super Surf, which he barely survived, frankly. I mean, that comic ended with an ambiguous ending about whether he'd make it or not, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. I really like that they tie that in in contrast to this nice Australian hippie quote-unquote life that He's yeah. currently living. It's very happy times. Exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, but last year, everything almost ended. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're t- totally other. Yeah, just this, we we there's this big contrast. Yeah, of like this very red like flashback with people exploding and skulls all over the place and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then he's just sort of back in Drongo Springs. Like Charlene asks what's going on, and they kind of embrace, and everything seems very like idyllic. Honestly, right. a little too ide- a little too nice yeah, if you're yeah. thinking about it. How these stories go, <laughs> right? Because now we jump to uh, to Sydney, Australia. You can see the Opera House there, or at least you know whatever they call Sydney in the future. I forget what they call it mm. exactly. The Sydney, Ma- Melbourne, Connor, or something like that. I think, um, but. In a skyscraper there is what remains of the Australia branch of Stig Corp, which was the uh, the group that uh, that uh, financed and made all the crazy obstacles and snipers and stuff of Super Surf 11. Um, there uh, we see a couple of uh, a pair of slick Aussie executives. And they're no, you know they're Aussie executives because they still have like sport coats and ties. But they are also wearing shorts and sunglasses. So, you know, they're right. sort, of, <laughs> sort of combining those two cultures, I guess. Right. Unique look. I definitely <laughs> – Absolutely. Um, so, um, we – one of these guys says that they've identified folks at Drongo Springs. One of them's Chopper, who killed the previous head of Stig Corp. Uh, Stig, you know, a guy named Stig, I guess. And that both he and Drongo Springs are in their way for some reason. And so, you know, whatever. They, they got to make a plan. And so uh, the, he- the, uh, the head of these office guys... Um, uh, uh, Derek O'Hearn gets on a video call with um, Stig headquarters in Mega City 2. And things, you know, it's not the greatest of corporate calls, to be honest. He kind of, <laughs> he, he kind of misgenders his boss right at the start, which is never a good right. look. Um, right. <laughs> but in the end, he kind of explains that uh, this, this, Abor- this uh, Australian Aborigine concept of the, song, of the song lines and taking control of them could revitalize Stig Corp, and hey, either way, as they do it, they'll be able to kill shake. They'll be able to kill Chopper, and thus get some corporate revenge as well. Uh, and that seems to work. 
<laughs> the deal's made. Derek puts things into action as he yells at his partner for like having sex with his uh, secretary while he was on the call and stuff like that. Right. And um, basically, yeah, he they, they, they go to put a call into the into the local chief judge and get that Stig Corp combat satellite uh, warmed up, which is ominous. That's an mm-hmm. ominous thing to say. Right. <laughs> uh, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say, I really like that they are uh, kind of touching into those uh, song lines. There's a whole, like, spiritual element to this whole uh, chapter that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it's. I'm interested to see, like, what these corporate guys are even going to try to do with this concept of song lines and stuff. Like, how, right. to, how you're going to sort of exploit that for a mega corporation or something. That's an interesting... Right. And and right. an interesting concept to me, and sort of mm. a, such it's so it's such a hippy dippy thing for right. guys in suits to be going after, I guess. Right. But I guess <laughs> that, that's kind of always what Chopper kind of brings. Whenever I read any Chopper story, it's always like this longing of the soul, and you know, making things right. It has a it's a element that I didn't see in a lot of uh, you know uh, Mega City one or like two because uh, it's either like physical or sci fi or psychic. Yeah, they don't really get into. But what's the human heart and spirit about? Like, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, maybe it's just the difference between having the main character be Chopper, who's kind of a regular person, who's it, but into um, you know self actualization and ha- and has personal ambition and stuff, mm-hmm. versus the judges who have a very different view of of the world, right? And, and like and and, and, and their place in it, you know, mm-hmm. right. I also uh, a complete aside. I yeah. really want to know more differences between uh, where you know um, uh, Chopper's hanging out and Mega City One. Is is are they saying that you know Australia is going to be like, hey, you still can ride your surfboard and you know there's open air, and then America is going to be you know just skyscrapers in police uh, <laughs> patrolling you nonstop. Pretty like, much, wanna... yeah. Like I think from what we've seen of um, of Oz of the uh, of this futuristic Australia, hmm. it's like the there are judges here, but they're definitely like less hard ass than hmm. than like Judge Dredd and the Mega City One judges hmm. and stuff. Right? Like, uh, they might have been onto something. I can see. I can see this. I can see these. These yeah. No, it seems better. You know, I mean, listen, right. an, an Oz judge will wear shorts. He'll, like, drink right. a beer with you and stuff. Like, it seems better. But, <laughs> you know, and, like, they'll definitely call – like, I've definitely seen them call, like, Dread or other uh, – mega. you know, like a mega city judge. Like, you know, say that they, they have, like, sticks up their asses or whatever else, right. you know. Right. Oh, yeah. Because it didn't uh, judge come to collect Chopper at the end of a yeah. race? And yeah, the was like, and the, and the local judge here. was like, nah, like, listen, like, you know, he's he flying out in the rad back. He came in second place, and that's fine. Like, stop being a jerk, Judge Dredd. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> and then Judge Dredd left. He, yeah, well, was... yeah, he had no he had no choice. He can't just start <laughs> – he can't, like, start a war over Chopper or something like that, you right. know? <laughs> he's just <laughs> like, all right, like, you win – you win this round, Right, <laughs> but I'm I'm out of here soon. But you know, but but right. but I'll I'll get my revenge soon enough. Don't you worry. Yeah, very interesting, <laughs> definitely. But so we sort of finish up cutting back to Drongo Springs, where sort of the main characters are all sitting around a campfire, chilling out. You know, like very much 
a um like ah like what a nice place or something like that mm-hmm. at the yeah. same time koala stands also meditating but feels a change in the air a d- different star in the sky something bad is coming as we see in space that combat satellite moving into position right that's a good sense he can sense cat satellites moving in space from the ground that's yeah. Don't underestimate this guy, you know? Absolutely. Next time on Shopper, wipe out. (laughs) Which is ominous as well. (laughs) So we've sort of had some fun stuff with Dread. We've had some fun stuff with Shopper. But, you know, I want to know what the news is, Eli. I want to know what's what's going on (laughs) in Mega City 1. Right. (laughs) So let's go to Story 3, Mega City News. (laughs) With a... Design by I think it's credited as uh, by a Talon and Sh- and a Shanti, who I think might just be like sub editors or something around uh, the uh, the 2080 offices or whatever. But basically, this is like a fake magazine, like it, or fake news magazine. It claims to be the official magazine of Mega City One, um, and it's just we got a ton of just kind of quick quick hit jokes right all through this thing. Um, it starts off with a big with a big cover story about um, mad lentil disease, which apparently <laughs> makes you look like a twerp or something. <laughs> but is basically like I don't like it was a big thing in uh, in 1990, like like mad cow disease in England. Mm. This um, this uh, disease that uh, cows got and um, may, and like if it spread to humans, it, you, you could get really sick or die basically. And it was a big mm. scandal in England. Like they had to, they ended up like destroying like thousands of cattle because of it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And but this one just makes you look weird. Well, makes yeah, this exactly one, like this, this one, this one makes you look weird. But so the joke is, um, the joke is that it makes you look like this guy who is a British MP John Gummer, who is this is this uh-huh. um, government official who's currently really mis- mishandling the mad cow disease epidemic in England and real life. I see. That's funny. <laughs> like uh, famously, he tried to refute evidence about it being a problem at like a party by trying to make his four-year-old daughter like eat a eat a eat a hamburger basically and everybody was like dude like this thing's real serious you shouldn't mess around with this stuff when it comes to your kids right Right, exactly yeah hold on just yeah no no no, definitely yeah it's very like and so just so this is like very much like he's he's a good punching back they're making fun of here you know nice that is funny uh, double down on your daughter, though. That's a that's a bold statement. Yeah, bold, that, bold uh... governments for sure. <laughs> so then, I mean, then the rest of the thing is just sort of just kind of general jokes. Uh, rainforest growing out of the top of a skyscraper. Um, various like um, little news briefs and weird things going on. There's a advice column, which is. Um, his advice column where questions are answered by Elvis and it seems like it's actually like this one uh, medium who summons various celebrities from the past and answers advice questions with uh, uh, through them (laughs) and all of Elvis's questions are very much just kind of Elvis uh, Elvis quoting his own songs you know (laughs) right there's also horoscopes my horoscope I'm gonna get a dog that might not be mine so that's good to me. Oh. <laughs> uh, I do think it's funny. Uh, I think my favorite was a uh, uh, slaphead. Earn big credits. They apparently they'll advertise on your forehead, 
and they'll pay you for it. Yeah. You got to make this money, you know? <laughs> I, in the future, they run out of uh, billboard space, so they just start, you know. You just always, always need more and more bill, billboard space, you know. Also, right. also hidden inside these ads are at least two or three ads to get mad lentil disease, which seems pretty rough. Like, <laughs> but the important ad in here is the is on the final page of the Mega City News. This one on the bottom left that says, "The world should know your story," by um by a uh, Brian Scuttler. Or Scudder, I should say. Um, because, you know, basically it's the one that says, the, the world should know your story. I'm a licensed hack. I'm a licensed hack so I can write it up. Give me a call. Um, <laughs> because, because that ad in turn leads us to story for young death. <laughs> uh, script robot John, uh, John Wagner as Brian Scudder. Art robot Pete, Peter Doherty. Letter robot Gordon Robson. So this comic opens with with like um a the like the cover of a novel. It's uh, Young Death, the boyhood of a super fiend, to, compiled from the tapes and notes of the late Brian Scudder. Which seems like bad times. Also, soon to be a major tri D epic starring Pete Waterman. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we cut directly to a uh, skinless corpse being pulled out of a rad pit or something like that. Um, right. And this is being overseen by our friend Judge Hershey and then a random judge named Locum. Mm. Um, apparently, this death was called in by literal Judge Death, who you'll recall after the events of Necropolis is now just sort of loose in the city, basically. Mm. Um you know, listen, the, like they tried to do a voice print to match him up to Judge Death, but it's no good. The necropolis has the resources of the city stretched thin. And mm. similarly, it'll be hard to identify this, you know, body that no longer has good fingerprints or um, dental records or whatever. Right. But, <laughs> but he is holding a decayed hacker's license in his hand. So that might be worth looking into. Hershey has locum check it out. Meanwhile, we hit a we uh, go to a flashback where from that ad in the Mega City News, um, we see uh, Brian Scudder arrive at the Sylvia Plath block, named for the American poet, as the sun sets, and he reflects on what brought him here, which takes us to an even deeper flashback. Eli, we got flashback mm. inception going on. Nice. <laughs> he remembers getting a, a mysterious phone call. From a very Judge Death sounding voice telling him to come <laughs> to come to this block, or there will be repercussions. You know, um, <laughs> Brian arrives and the door is answered by a delightful older lady who says that Mister Death is uh, waiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> We learn she's uh, Mrs. Gunderson, and uh, Daath is uh, renting a room from her, and she's just completely blind. With like, she's got cyber eyes, but those seem to do absolutely nothing as she kind of right. bounce, bounces into walls and stuff like that. Right. I like that she even calls uh, Death handsome. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the handsome devil that he is, like you, you haven't seen this man, lady. She's just very polite. You know, you gotta be nice to Mrs. Gunderson. She doesn't know any better. You know, she's just trying to make some extra money by renting out her spare room. 
Um, so she leads him to Mr. Daath's room. It's, you know, dank and dark. There's a chair turned away from the door. She leaves at the death turns, or and the chair turns, and who's inside? Buddy, it's Judge Death! Right. Uh, legs crossed, very inviting. Greetings. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Please, take a seat. <laughs> So I think this is going to be like Interview with a Vampire, but with Judge Death, which I'm pretty oh, interested I, I in. So. That'd be awesome. Because <laughs> it's called because it's called like uh, Boyhood of a Super Fiend or whatever. So I believe we're right. going to get some background for, you know, that's why oh, he's, man. he's called this reporter in to tell him his story and stuff. That's cool. But I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about this one. This is a fun story for sure. <laughs> but I guess, you know, I mean... Listen, Young Death. That's a that's a pretty well known um 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 to the, uh story from the early magazine, and it's a lot of fun. But a more serious, really really well known story for the magazine. <laughs> Let's talk about Story Five: America. <laughs> Script robot John Wagner, art robot Colin McNeil, letter robot Eddie Parkhouse. I gotta say. Um, this is the big what this is the big story for the magazine right now, and it's one I've been most looking forward to um mm-hmm. for us to talk about and, and, and get to and stuff. Yeah. This is part of the, this is a lot of why I, I had those um th- those primers about like the democracy movement in Mega City One and like those the politics mm-hmm. and stuff. So we we have sort of a basis for this story, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it opens with Dredd standing on an American flag. Where does he stand? With justice, with order, rights, not at the expense of those things. The view pulls back and we see Judge Dredd towering, or we see, sorry, the Statue of Judgment towering over the Statue of Liberty and Judge Dredd himself standing over a a, a bloody body wrapped in the American flag. And we get this line that I love a lot, which is, um, justice has a price, the price is freedom. Ooh, I like that. Gives me goosebumps, right. Eli, I gotta say. <laughs> it's a powerful line. <clears throat> Definitely gets you to think. Yeah, you gotta think about, like, again, this classic, like, uh, how go- how much of good guys are these judges? Like, would you want to live in Mega City 1? I, it's a question to make to be uh, sure of, you know? Uh, uh, right. Well, I do comic books, and they have comic bots, as we'll talk about later. So, I probably I don't even know what I'd be doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, listen, I would like I'd maybe go. I don't know. Okay. Although if, I feel like if, 2000 AD has definitely been banned, so I couldn't do this podcast there. Actually, so no, I'm I'm out right. as well. <laughs> right. Well, if if they're some type of a board game group, then maybe I maybe. might. Maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm sure we could all find something to do in in Mega City One, even if it's not the first thing we'd like to do. I guess. Um, <laughs> So we now sort of go to a different view of the city. We see a Justice Central, this giant kind of magnifying glass kind of thing. And um, we learn that this story is a love story of a man who loved a woman from the moment he met her at how he portrayed her. And you'll despise him by the end of the story. (laughs) We zoom in on the top on the talk of the Meg nightclub where there's a bunch of signs saying that uh, Bennett Beanie is performing. As a woman in a pink cocktail dress and black hair sits at a vanity kind of doing her makeup, basically. Um, The narrator says to hate away, he deserves it. 
Absolutely. Um, and though he wonders if you'll think he deserves his exact punishment that he gave himself. He talks about the woman he loved. Her name was America. And while now her eyes are empty, once they were full of fire. And we see this image of um, like a present day America's eyes and then an image of her on a uh, on like a protest line with the words, um, but I remember America. And that's another good line that gives you goosebumps as well. I'm loving this story. <laughs> In a flashback, a robot doctor helps a woman named Alvira give birth as others in the hospital clap as the baby's born, including a um, fellow infant, uh, Beanie Bennett, or a Benny Bennett, I should say, or Bennett Beanie. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's hard It's hard to say in real life, um, Eli, I got to say. The, 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 Bennett right? Beanie. Yeah, okay. Bennett oh, Beanie. Yeah. <laughs> but they're calling him Benny and, you know, as, as, as a kid here. Um, well, um, the, the proud father, an immigrant with a thick kind of, of, of a f- phonetic act, like a Cuban phonetic accent, basically, names her after their new home. She's called America Yara. The crowd sings happy birthday, and Mr. Yara gives America back to his wife, saying, God shed his grief on thee, instead of grace, by accident. Mm-hmm. But maybe right. not, you know, yeah, maybe, right. maybe said by accident, but there might be a deeper meaning here, Eli. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we, we, we go to a few years later. We see a bunch of bullies. They're shouting spug face at Benny when America shows up. She goes to help him when the kid, uh, when, when all the other kids run off because a judge is coming. She comforts him as we see that green boot of the judge step down and then the shadows sort of, um, you know, fall over these two kids. Um, it, uh, the narrator, and it's pretty clear that that's a grown-up Benny at this point, um, describes the judges as just this constant malevolent presence in their life. You know, the, there was never uh, a time without the judges. They're always there. Um, they're arresting your friends or beating people up. They're supposed to be there to help you, but they're more monsters than anything else. You know, kids in Mega City One are are told to go to bed for fear that if they don't, the judges will get them. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, Not far yeah, off, um, really. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it's, it's definitely a realistic assumption for sure. Right. Um, yeah, she thinks even comments on that. Yeah. It's like, oh, and we knew. Yeah, that's 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 correct. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, this is not an exaggeration. Yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, so uh, the the judge standing over them sees um, sees Benny's like bloody nose and thinks he might be a troublemaker. He starts threatening him by to to, to go to the juke the juve cubes cubes and really freaks Benny out. He starts crying and stuff. And then young America steps in and she's like, hey, you're being mean and you should lay off my friend. <laughs> the dread and the judge is like almost shocked by this or like, oh, like, all right, who are you, kid? Like, right. I was bullying this kid over here and you know you'd be coming in to defend him. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I'm America Yara. And my dad says I can say whatever I want because this is America and it's a free country. <laughs> this judge is <laughs> like, what century are you living in, kid? And like, that's not right. the case. Right. <laughs> Uh, that's old America. Yeah. Times have changed. This is Mega City One. We don't use that terminology anymore, you know? Right. <laughs> the judge calls in. He gets a report. Apparently, Benny's father was killed by a serial killer, Dave the Orthodontist. And um, we learned that while America's um, parents are sort of um, 
immigrants and here on kind of a temp, uh, like a, a probationary visa or whatever, she's a full citizen. Um, it's kind of, I don't know, interesting kind of stuff. But mm. eventually he just lets them off with a warning and the two head back home. And the, it, I don't know, it seems like a kind of a nice moment just as like America, like it kind of has her arm over Benny's shoulder mm. and is comforting him. Mm. Um, right. Like, but we also, Betty also uh, recalls how, you know, through, throughout their whole childhood, it was always him crying and her and, and Amy being strong. But in the end, both the judges and he managed to get some tears out of her. So, we know, it's only right. a matter of time before there's some kind of big betrayal that's going to come on. Right. Yes. A lot of foreshadowing. A lot of foreshadowing. This it's thing- uh, <laughs> scary just based on how bad things can get in, you know, uh, Judge Dredd. So, it's like. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. how, well, how bad are things going to get for this young female protagonist? Def- I mean, the story starts, you know, the story can't help but notice that it's called America. Can't help but notice that it starts with a bloody corpse at the foot of the Statue of Liberty as well. Like, mm, you know, right. sort of, they're definitely putting out a lot of, a lot of guide stones for us to build a story around as we're starting out here for sure. Yeah. But next time in America, it's uh, Duty Ma- Duty Manson. So we'll see what that means, I guess. <laughs> Which seems kind of silly for the seriousness of this story. Right. And speaking right. of – They're still, they're still okay. kids. Yeah. If they're still kids. Then you can go with Duty Duty Manson. You know, that's it's fine for a kid to say. But sure. Yeah. For- <laughs> yeah pres- presumably, we'll see these kids grow up as the comic goes by. I don't know. But uh, whatever. Right. Speaking of silly names <laughs> – Let's finish things up with Story 6 Beyond Arkenny. Script robot John Wagner, art 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 robot Cam Kennedy, letter about Annie Parkhouse. Okay. So back in the second primer, we talked about this character, Kenny Who, a Scottish artist that came to the US to make his fortune in comics, but was then arrested because he found out that there were robots just copying his style and they were real jerks about it. So now, three years later, the 10 a.m. zone from the Caledonian Hab arrives, and on it are the mom and are a mom and two kids in Tam O'Shanter hats looking for their lost husband and father, Kenny Who. Or sorry, <laughs> Kenny Who? Um Right. Is the is the question mark actually part of the I think it is, right? Like, oh yes. You have to say it like that. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. It's like uh it's like when someone's named like O'Grady, that apostrophe's part of the name. Same mm. thing with the uh with the question mark in there. Um <laughs> I should say I didn't mention it last time, but the whole name thing comes from when uh John Wagner and Cam Kennedy were like doing a pitch to uh to Marvel in America. And when they talked about uh, Kennedy as an artist, the uh, the executive wasn't clear and instead of Kennedy said, Kenny who? Like, what's who's this guy? He didn't even know his whole, his whole name. And so they were sort of sh- so like pissed off about that. They decided to make this make this story about it, essentially. <laughs> oh, funny. So uh, they arrive in. Um, there's a big double page section of just Abbott and Costello stuff as they try to explain that their last name is who. Um, it's sort of, yeah, yeah it's, right. it, it's a mom and like kind of a toddler son and maybe like a tween, like mm-hmm. a daughter, basically. Yeah. Definitely has that t- tween sass. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like that the, the mother's name is Izzy Who 
and the <laughs> and uh, and the and the and the daughter spells it like I Z Z Y H O W with a quizzer. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so they check in what he's doing. They repeat the uh, oh, he might be an artist, but now he's drawing time joke that appeared right. both in the original story and the recap at the start of this one. <laughs> like they got so, this joke so good, so good they had to just like, hey, let's get some more use out of this. We are not letting this pun go, Eli. We're gonna run right. it into the ground. Um, <laughs> But the uh, eventually the uh, the customs judge gives them a thirty day visa to uh, figure out what's going on with with a young or with a older Kenny as young Kenny Kenny who keeps wanting to play fireman and why and the uh, the judge trying to be friendly like picks him up and asks if he wants to be a fireman but no apparently that's a family code for having to uh, take a pee and this kid right. pees all over that judge right. Mark's territory. Uh, I actually thought that was really clever because <laughs> uh, it all once he peed, it all made sense. Yeah, okay, definitely. Fireman, yeah, you're using the hose to spray it. Yeah, yeah, no, we yeah. we got it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another, Judge Judge Wheels having a bad day, you know, right? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so they go into the city and basically. You know, as they go, the judges are like, oh, these guys look like trouble, but whatever. Um, they meet with Kenny in his ISO block, and he basically explained the situation. He's going to be here forever. You know, maybe you could try to talk to the comics company, uh, big one, to try to um, get them to, like, drop the charges or something. Um <laughs> But everybody's very, very pissed about this stuff. You know, kids are all sad, but by gosh, they're going to do whatever they can to free Kenny. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and this takes them to Big One where, uh, you know, uh, Kenny busted up all their art droids, art robots and stuff making fake comics. Um <laughs> And the boss here is not willing to listen to um, Izzy's uh, claims. You know, the, the uh, Kenny Jr. calls him a bad man. And she's like, well, how can you, you know, what about the, like, how can you just steal people's, like, artistic talent? What about, like, their art? What about, what, what about the rights of these creators? Creators' rights, man. And right. <laughs> that sends this executive into um, into laughter, and then he kind of shares it with the rest of the studio, and everybody just laughs uproariously. And listen, I'm just saying that between what's going on in American comics and definitely in British comics at this point, we got some mm -hmm. social commentary going on here, Eli. Right, right. <laughs> Just <laughs> as these bosses laugh at the concept of creator rights, as as these uh you know innocent heroic writers and artists get more and more angry, basically, right? Pretty much. <laughs> Izzy sort of storms off, seeing that they're not going to get any help here, and uh, the big Meg um or the big one, I should say um uh, bosses like ah these artists they're all the same. But not these robotic ones. Uh-uh. Right. Right. <laughs> this finally takes the family to meet with Judge Dredd, asking him to please free Kenny. But he's not going to do it, despite, like, tears, accusations of being a bad man, or, um, or a young Kizzy who pulling a brick and being about to throw that. Like, it's getting serious. Yes. 
right. In yeah, the end, was, yeah. Okay. Uh, I like judges' uh, reasoning. Uh, if I let him out, I just got to start letting everybody who comes and cries at me out. Yeah, I mean, every, that's not going to work. Every Calhab weirdo is going to think he can come here and break the law and get off scot-free. It's a, it's right. a vicious circle, you know? Right. Um, in the end, he's like, they're getting nowhere and Dred's had enough. He uh, changes the time on their visa to only having 24 hours left. And, you know, oh man, 24 hours left in Mega City 1. What can we do in that time? Mm-hmm. Right. And next time on Beyond Our Kenny, for who? The bell tolls? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows? Right. I don't, I thought Judge was being a little harsh until the you know, tween brought the brick out. I was like, okay, I can see why Judge is like, you know what? You'll be here for another 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to threaten me with a brick, little girl. That's not. I don't need this grief, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, hey, we've reached the end of this, the first issue of the Judge Red Magazine. Eli, I realize we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I have a question for you. No, please. I would like you to rate um so for all for a lot of these comics the way they um they they'd often have a uh, like a little thing that you could mail in which would basically be to name what your favorite story in the comic is and what your least favorite story is your okay. top or bottom story here Oh man so this is going to be tough I really enjoyed Yeah well all you know the- I'll say it's like I've been in this position as well and it is nicer when it's hard to choose like when it's hard to pick versus times when you're like when you absolutely know which one's the worst story or something like that, you know. Right. But mm. I, I would love to know what your top and bottom stories for this, the first issue of the magazine uh, are. Could the um uh the does the ad count as a story when they're talking about like Elvis being Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The the Mega City News is definitely a uh a, 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 on on the table here. Okay. I, I I'll put that on bottom only because uh I'm here to read comics, you know. I, I don't need to read newspapers. I I need colors and and lines. Yes, so yes, gonna... wor- w- yes. Words are always the enemy of the comics reader, for right. sure. <laughs> uh, so let's see, huh? My favorite. Dang it! I really enjoy Chopper. It's mm-hmm. always a, a treat. I also like really like uh, who you know. I uh, maybe it's because he is an artist that I you know mm. resonates with me. Yeah, the personal connection. Uh, but then I also am now learning about America, and you know, uh, and yeah. the terrible so- things that are going to have happen to her. So- I'm sorry if I've built that up. Actually, I re- I'm realizing now. I don't want to like put her no, on a it's- pedestal that I can't reach or something like that. But that is one no. I'm very interested in for sure. Yeah, and no, it's um, it's how it's framed. It's uh, going for a tragedy, and it's starting with a backstory, which I think gives it that extra strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, if we get into, into Judge Death's actual backstory. I think he's going to start rising up in my mm. interest. But um, yeah, yeah. You know, learning from like, hey, they were born here, grew up with this situation, and then they're an adult. Then this is how they decide to cope. I always really enjoy that. Nice. Um, so, hmm. Dang it. Yeah, Still, stuff. Uh, let's see. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's either America or who, uh, only because uh, death is just starting to do a thing he did all he did was turn around in a chair so you know he's, he's not yeah, very much m- much a super setup um, um story in uh in young death this week 
Right. But um, I'm so super surprised about like uh, the Who family kind of being introduced. Like, hey, no, there's bigger people here. And, you know, um, uh, seeing, you know, Dread as an antagonist instead of the protagonist, because I really feel bad for this family. You know, they, uh, uh, you know, my heart goes out to them. And then they're in this against this cold judge that is just, you know, shortening their visa and, you know, like, hey, get out of here. You, you, you're going to have to get used to being a single mother with no money. Deal with it. <laughs> like, it's, um, so, yeah, dang it. It's a toss up between them and uh, the American story. Uh, uh, and I think it's, I mean, yeah, because I really love the art on both of them for different reasons. Uh, I really love the, uh, you know, uh, kind of the family uh, nature of it, how they're kind of breaking into it. Dang. Yeah. Uh, but then I still like Chopper too. You know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. That, you know, but listen, that spiritual element. I need you to really like you know reach down into your soul and figure out uh, okay. like what is your top thrill. Okay, let's see. I'm gonna try to go from the perspective of, hey Eli, there's this person, and I'm like, hey, you want to read Judge Dread? And they're like, okay, but I'll only read one. I'm yeah, not exactly. gonna read all these chapters. You gotta give me one chapter to read. Fair. Um, and then I, in that case, I would um, give them, uh, you know, the Who family uh, so that they can uh, form their own opinions on how Judge Dredd is a meanie. And then, you know, later on under further research, like, what do you mean he's the main protagonist? You know, <laughs> I think I, I feel that reveal would just be extra funny. And I also really like the nice muted tones they used on the pages. Um and they use this like purple for the shadows. Like all the shadows have, they're not black. They go with like a, a darker purple, which adds this nice depth and contrast to the other colors that they use. Hmm. So art wise, narrative wise, and, you know, me pulling a prank on my friends wise, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm have to go with that. Fantastic. I think I might agree with you. And I'll, yeah, I'll, uh, Mega City News, easy choice for bottom. I'm, I'm really loving America. I can't wait to see more of that. So I think that's going to be. <laughs> Like that's that that's my top for sure. I think maybe going forward until we reach the end of it, but for right nice. now, definitely it's the one that I'm I'm most stoked for. Nice, exciting, awesome. yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh man, I hope you're stoked to get further in here. We got just a little bit more, and then um, yeah, just you know, or no, sorry, a lot more. But listen, <laughs> it's gonna be. I think um, we're gonna yeah, I think that this is gonna be a lot of fun. It says we push our way through this mm. magazine. Yeah. And I hope everybody else enjoyed the show as well. As always, you can find Big Meg – or sorry, I guess we're starting out now. So listen, you can find Big Meg 1 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at BigMeg1.com. Feel free to contact us at BigMeg1 – that's the number one – at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. For all of those, look up Big Meg 1. Again, the numeral one. And you'll find us there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green and your friend at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd really appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of extra rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD and the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with me and Fox. 
who is the host of Space Spinner 2000. All right. And come back in two weeks for episode two as we'll talk, as we'll finish up Kenny Who, meet the head of the Midnight Crime family as death comes to, Dr- to Drongo, or as sort of the uh, lowercase death comes to Drongo Springs, uppercase death gives us one last chance, and Benny is haunted by a lost love. And until then, I'm Conrad, there Eli, and we are Big Bag One. Rock it! Rock it.